How's it going? Happy 4th of July week to everybody. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm glad you guys decided to spend one of your holiday weekends with us this morning. Um, we have made it to our second, or actually our third, spiritual discipline in the Summer of Spiritual Disciplines. Um, so we're starting today to talk about the individual practice of the spiritual discipline of prayer. So if you remember, we're talking through spiritual disciplines this summer, and we are spending one week talking about each discipline as an individual practice, and then we're spending the next week um, or the other week talking about it as a corporate practice because every spiritual discipline forms us both as an individual but is also part of the life of the community of believers. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today, Matthew chapter 6. If you got your Bible, you can go ahead and open up there, open up to the app on your phone. While you're turning there, we are reading in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus. You could think of this as his kind of greatest hits album. Um, people don't really know, scholars don't really know whether this was one long sermon that Jesus probably gave at every town he went to, or whether Matthew is just kind of compiling the general topics that Jesus talked about into one place, so we get the idea. But, but the Sermon on the Mount really comprises most, not all, but most of what would have been core to Jesus' teaching as a rabbi. And right here in the middle of it, Jesus talks about prayer. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 5. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Before we pray, um, I never want to ignore a really complicated verse when it appears in Scripture. Now, we're talking about prayer today, so we're not going to be going into detail about this last verse where it seems like Jesus says, you're not forgiven if you don't forgive other people. Um, but I don't want to ignore it either. So let me just say this. At some point, we'll probably teach through this and be able to deep dive into this, but it's worth noting, this helps frame this, that Jesus says this before the cross. So Jesus is teaching people who live in the old covenant, who live in the sacrificial system still, who, like you and I, had a strong tendency to treat the laws of the kingdom of God as if they were rules to gain righteousness rather than ways to live out the goodness of God in the world. In fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount seems to be unpacking that idea where Jesus is saying, no, this isn't about you being better or more righteous than other people. This is about the right and beautiful and good way to live. Do you see the difference there? So that's the context that Jesus makes this seemingly offensive statement in. And there's more to it than that, but we just don't want to ignore it. Now with that, let's pray and then we'll jump in. God, we love you. We know that your presence is with us today. 
We know that your presence is with our community that's uh, scattered probably all over the country right now, celebrating on a, on a week off and time away. We ask that you would be with them, those of us who are here and those of us who are scattered. And let today, and let these few moments be marked with your presence. Let anything that I say that's from you echo in our hearts and anything that's not be forgotten. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So there's something that uh, is... I'm not really proud of, but it is part of my personality um, that I want to tell you about. Uh, any soccer fans here? Like two, th- uh, four. <laughs> We've got four soccer fans in the room. Ah, big American sport, yeah. Um, so I, uh, I like watching soccer. Um, Josie plays soccer. Uh, the, have you ever heard of the move in soccer, the rainbow? Anybody? Okay, you know the thing where you like take the ball and you use one foot to roll it up onto your heel so you can kick it, and the idea is you kick it over your, your head and then over your opponent's head and it lands in front of them so you can go around them, right? It's really, really, really cool. Um, I can do the rainbow. I know, right? You guys are all super impressed. Now, please don't be impressed, though, because I can't play soccer. I am horrible at soccer, but I can do the rainbow. I am good enough at soccer to where if we were to kick a ball around in the churchyard for five minutes, you would think I'm good at soccer, but if it went on for seven minutes, then the gig would be up. Like, that is the end of my skills. If you asked us to play a game of soccer, I would have a sore ankle really fast because I would not want to be found out. Um, This is part of my personality. I have a tendency to learn the impressive thing, but not the thing. All right, so I played basketball in high school. Um, I play, I was the sixth man on a small Christian school team. So what that means is there was a very, very small talent pool, and I still wasn't in the top five. (laughs) But I taught myself, like before I learned to do a free throw right, I taught myself to do a layup between the legs. Yeah, so that if you watched me play basketball, you'd be like, man, that guy knows what he's doing. I want him on my team. And then I would just like have to leave before the game started, you know. Um, I, I always wanted to do the in-between-the-legs layup um, during warm-ups before a game, and my coach would get so mad at that because the only thing worse than losing by 20 is losing by 20 when you were showing off during warm-ups. <laughs> um, so I did, I did martial arts for a while. Uh, my dad uh, taught martial arts, and I always wanted to learn the flying, spinning, jumping kicks, you know, like you see in the movies, right? Uh, my dad would not teach them to me, because there's a reason why you see them in the movies, but you don't see them in, like, martial arts competitions, because they're absolutely worthless. <laughs> like, they are not helpful. It's like a rainbow. If you watch professional soccer, you are never going to see somebody do a rainbow, because it's just, it's not an important move in the game. It's just impressive and cool. And I always wanted to learn the impressive and cool things so that you would think I was good at it. I have a tendency to be uh, what we might call performative. Like, I do something, and I'm more concerned with who's watching than the thing itself. I'm more concerned with being impressive than actually being good at the thing. Now you can probably see where this is going. I want to propose to you this morning that I think one of the, if not the biggest danger to our spiritual practice as individuals and as Christians collectively is for our spiritual practice to be performative for it to be more focused on who's watching than the thing itself. For it to be more about making an impression 
than about obedience. Now, in this text that we just read, Jesus describes two ways that prayer can be performative. And the first one's pretty obvious. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray in front of people. They love to pray in the synagogue or they love to pray on the street corner. Um, They love to be heard by others. And Jesus says, when you pray, no, go in secret, close the door and your father will hear you. But those who pray in public for other people to hear, they have already received their reward in full. Have you ever heard someone pray and it just seems like they're good at it? Like you hear somebody else pray and it's like, I don't know how they string words together like that. And it just, you just imagine that God like flips down his newspaper and looks, you know what I mean? Like, wow, wow, that guy's praying. I remember when I was growing up, any of you grow up in a small enough like southern church where the pastor used to call on people to pray in the service? Yeah, I was, hor- yes, I was horrified. Micah, would you lead us in prayer? I'm just kidding. He raised his hand though. Uh, <laughs> um, we will not do that at the fold. Um, I remember there was this guy in the church I grew up in, his name was Floyd, and when Floyd prayed, uh, yeah, you know, his name's Floyd, of course he can pray, right? It was just like the ground would start shaking, I mean, it was so good. That guy prayed in King James Version, like that's, it's just these and thous and hymns and psalms, it was all together, I loved it. Whenever my dad, there were two people in the church, one guy had a Jamaican accent, I loved to hear him pray, and then Floyd. I loved it when my dad called on those two people to pray, it was the best. Now, like Floyd, that's probably the authentic way he prays. I'm not dogging on him. But there's an interesting repercussion when prayer becomes performative and when it becomes focused on other people listening. The first, Jesus says it, and he doesn't mince any words. He says, if you pray like that, you receive your reward right there. If you're praying to affirm your spirituality, to prove something so that other people will hear, then the fact that they heard is the reward that you get. That's not to say that God stops up his ears or something like that, that he he just ignores it, but it is to say that if prayer is a spiritual discipline, which if you remember, a spiritual discipline is a physical act that creates space for inner work. It's something that we do that opens up our hearts for the Holy Spirit to meet us and form us in the practice. If prayer is a spiritual discipline, then if my focus is on who's listening and who is impressed, then there's nothing formative about the practice. Then the reward of the practice is not formation. It's just an impression. But there's, there's a second repercussion of that. And it's less obvious, but I think it's just as, as dangerous. And it's that those of us who feel insecure about praying, those of us who don't like the idea of praying out loud or being called on, we hear someone who is performative in their prayer and we think, I can't do that there's no way I can do what they did. And it actually limits our practice. And it creates shame in us. Now you can probably see that this way of being performative in prayer is more common for those of us who have followed Jesus for a long time. It's especially common for people like me who happen to pray in a microphone a lot. This is something I have to be very careful of and I have to repent of often because it's easy for me to start thinking too much about who's listening and rather than about who I'm talking to. And for those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time and we're comfortable around the spiritual practice and and the spiritual things and church culture, it can be easy for us to slip into a performative prayer practice. 
But the other thing that Jesus talks about is something that I think every single one of us wrestles with. He says, and when you pray, do not go on and on. Do not babble like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Have you ever prayed but had no idea what to say? Have you ever caught yourself trying to make sure you say enough pleases so that God knows you're sincere? God, please, 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 God, I really, please. As if you got to beg, you're not too proud to. You're welcome. Uh, have you ever caught yourself trying to make sure that the worship and adoration part of your prayer is long enough before you get to the need part? God, I love you. You're so good. You're so good. You're just, you're just, you're just, God, you're just, you're so good and so beautiful and so kind. Just God, Father, just, and we just, we keep going on and on because we've got to, we've got to till the soil, right? We can't move on to the selfish things before we make sure God knows how much we like him. That's performative too. Because something's performative when it's more focused on who's listening than it is on the thing itself. And I know this gets kind of nuanced because when we pray, God is listening. But do you feel like you have to earn his attention? Do you feel like you have to perform to get God's attention? Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, when you pray, don't be like the pagans who go on and on thinking that their many words will make them heard by the Lord. See, I think so many of us, when we pray, we are forced, spiritual disciplines have this odd way of forcing us to confront the lies we believe. That's why they're a physical act that creates space for inner transformation. So many of us, when we pray, if we were to pay attention, we would see just how much we don't actually think God likes us or pays attention to us. Because we would see how much we feel like we have to gain and earn and ask just to get his attention. In this, in this context, Jesus then says, this is how you should pray. Now, prayer is all throughout scripture. That's obvious. Everybody knows that part of the life of any religious person, but especially a Christian, is prayer. It's Old and New Testament. It's corporate. It's individual. That we're, we're taught aspects of prayer and ideas of prayer and different things prayer does and doesn't do all throughout scripture. But to the best of my knowledge, this is the only place in the whole Bible God himself teaches us how to pray. And this is what we should notice about this prayer is that there is not a hint of performance in it. Now you might think of this prayer uh, from Sunday school growing up or from when you memorized it or from praying it publicly in church or from something like that. And when we think of this prayer, it's easy to think of it as really, really uh, formal and formulaic because we have prayed it corporately. We've prayed it out loud together. We've put it on t-shirts and printed it off on things and all, all kinds of stuff. We've made it very formal. But I want you to notice how short and how simple and how ordinary Jesus teaches us how to pray. Because this is, every, every other prayer in scripture could be founded on this simple idea because this is where God himself teaches us how to pray. And how does he start? He says, our father. Why? Because if there's one person you shouldn't have to perform for to get their attention, it's your father. In a healthy home, a child doesn't have to perform to gain the attention of their father. 
So Jesus starts with this simple affirmation. And then he moves on. He says, hallowed be your name. This is what's interesting. This is the worship section of the prayer. It's one line. It's just a statement. Jesus doesn't look for grandiose words to impress God. He just says, our Father in heaven, your name is holy. What a simple statement. And then it gets a little bit confusing. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It seems like this big, grandiose, spiritual request. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And it seems like he switches from this big spiritual request now to the simple, personal, give me my daily bread. And we seem, it feels like these are different things. Like we've got spiritual requests and we've got physical repress, requests. But I would just like to offer that I don't think Jesus differentiates those things. I think that in a world in which the will of God is accomplished, your daily needs are met. So if you're praying for God's kingdom to come, you're also inevitably praying for your daily bread. They're not separate things. Now, unfortunately, we live in a world where people choose selfish and sin all the time, and God does not always get his way because he gives us free will. But when we ask his will to be done, we're asking for everything we need. We have such a tendency to feel like, at least I do, maybe I'm the only one who does, but to feel like there are spiritual things we should pray about. We should pray about lost people and we should pray about God's will and we should pray for all of these big, beautiful things. And it feels like our needs are just little things. Like, God, why, why would I bother God with my bills? Or why would I bother God with my own frustrations? Or why would I bother God with the things that I need today? Or why would I bother God with the fact I haven't taken a vacation in two years and I'm exhausted? But Jesus teaches us to pray the most ordinary, basic things. Because in his kingdom, your needs are met. Because there's not a difference between your spiritual needs and your physical needs. Not in any sort of significant way. When you ask God to care for your soul, you also ask him to care for your body. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Let me give the forgiveness that I receive. Let me not hoard and then Jesus says this, this strange thing, lead us not into temptation. Once again, seems like a spiritual thing, but I wonder if Jesus is just teaching us to pray, God, I don't think I can handle the temptation today. I think if any temptation comes, I'm gonna give in. I don't think I can do it, so please just keep it away today. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer is honest, and it's simple, and it's ordinary. And this is the most important thing I think I can tell you about prayer is that the foundation of a practice, a spiritual discipline of prayer, is just consistent, honest communication. Because that's what Jesus is doing. He is talking to God about the reality of his world. I need food, I need help forgiving, I need to be kept from temptation because I'm not strong enough to bear it on my own. You are my father, remind me that you love me. So this is what that means for us today. Any honest communication with God is prayer. That's probably obvious, but I want to make sure you heard me. Any honest communication with God is prayer. So if today you do not know what to say and you are too exhausted to conjure up words to talk to God, then if you are honest with him about that, that is a prayer enough. You can simply say, God, I don't have anything to say and sit there 
and that is prayer. If you are angry at God today and you do not feel like he has been faithful, you can honestly tell him that. That is prayer. That is what a lot of the Psalms are, for the record, is people being angry at God. If you have needs in your daily life that you just can't seem to overcome, you can't seem to get off of your mind, bringing those to the Lord honestly is prayer. If you have someone else you need to pray for, can I tell you, there have been so many times I've prayed for someone else and I think, God, please heal them. And I think I've got to say more than that. If God's going to respond, I've got to get the words right. But just tell the truth about that person. God, this person's in the hospital. Will you heal them, please? Will you take care of them? Tell the truth. Any honest communication with God is prayer. Writing a poem of prayer is, as long as it's honest and authentic, it's prayer. Because sometimes it's easier to get the truth about how you feel out in poetry. Sketching a picture on a wall or in your journal is prayer. Because sometimes the easiest way to be honest is to draw something. Once again, sitting in silence before the Lord because you are exhausted and you have nothing to say is prayer. Because it's honest communication. Anyone who's had a long friend or a long relationship knows that you don't always have to say words to communicate and to be honest. Any of it can be prayer. Sometimes reciting a prayer like the Lord's Prayer, sometimes for the same reason that we buy birthday cards and Mother's Day cards and Father's Day cards because sometimes somebody else said it in a better way than you can, so you just need to sign your name to someone else's words and say, this is what I meant, this is the truth. Sometimes reciting someone else's prayer to the Lord is the best way for us to be honest because we just didn't have the words, but someone else put it into good words for us. That's why we pray as a community. That's why we recite the Lord's Prayer. That's why there are traditional prayers that Christians have prayed throughout history, prayers of confession and prayers of adoration because honest communication is prayer. And a practice of of the spiritual discipline of prayer is consistent, honest communication. That's what it is. Consistent, honest communication where you are putting in the effort because like Dallas Willard says, grace is opposed to earning but not to effort, where we are making an intentional, consistent time to tell God the truth whatever the truth is about ourselves, about our situation, about our needs, and even about him. Today, are you celebrating how good he is? Tell him that. That's the truth. Be honest. Today, are you choosing to remember that he's good even though nothing feels good? Tell him that. It's complicated. It's nuanced. Both can be true at the same time. Prayer is honest communication. So here's how we are going to conclude today. I want to create space for us to practice the spiritual discipline of prayer. So in a couple of minutes, Nathan and Katie are going to come up and they're going to play um, in the background. And there are ways for us to engage personally in the spiritual discipline of prayer around the room. You can sit in your seat and you can sit in silence before the Lord. You can journal whatever is true in this moment before the Lord To my left, your right, in the back, there are journals where you can write a poem or a song or a few words or a prayer before the Lord and you can share it with other people because it will live in that journal. In the back, in the back middle, slightly to my right, to to the right of the sound booth, there are printed off prayers from church history where you can go look at the prayer that saints who have gone before us have prayed and see if those words connect with your experience today. You can draw or sketch or write on this wall. You can come to the front and kneel. You can kneel in your own seat. However you feel comfortable engaging in prayer, I'm going to open us in prayer 
And then we're going to spend some time this morning engaging individually in the spiritual discipline of prayer. And remember, it's prayer as long as it's honest to the best of your ability. And sometimes it's hard to navigate our own emotions. Sometimes it's hard to even know whether we're telling God the truth or not. So just tell him that. Because sometimes a prayer is just, God, I don't know what I'm feeling today. Let's pray, and then we will practice together. Jesus, thank you that you listen, and that you taught us to pray simply, gently, honestly. Give us the courage to tell you the truth, and meet us as we do it like we know you will. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together.